Well, I think it's safe to say, fellas, that week one did not disappoint. Can't wait to get talking all about it. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Hello, everyone. Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL Podcast. Yes, here we are, back live on a Tuesday night. I haven't been live for ages, fellas. I've even combed my hair just for the occasion. Can't wait to get talking all about week one. There were some absolute crackers. So let's welcome the boys straight in. Josh, evening, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. And uh, I've not actually done quite the effort that you have, I'm afraid. But uh, <laughs> glad to be here. Glad to be live. Glad to be talking about proper football. My God, has it been fun. Up until 5.05 last night as well so uh i'm knackered but in a great way this is uh this is this is what we're here for boys it's what we're here for absolutely. football absolutely indeed mate yeah monday night football was a belt as well i'm sure we'll talk about that very shortly steve welcome in mate enjoy your holiday it was very good thank you i i uh had a chance to sort of uh get away from from the desk and from work and relax in the Lake District and then came back just in time for it all to kick off. And uh, I, I put all the coverage on at about 5.45, watched the build-up to the Eagles game. And I don't think I turned off football until about quarter 12 when I when I called it a night. So yeah, just a solid six hours of football. I love it. It's what Sunday nights are for. Like they say, the NFL now owns the day of the week. Bring it on. Yeah, it certainly does, mate. It certainly does, yeah. Josh managed a few more than six hours. Josh managed till half-time, I think, at our Birmingham meet-up of the Sunday night football game. It was uh, very good to get the full 10 yards boys together. Look forward to doing that later on in the season. But enough about us, fellas. Let's talk some actual football. Like you say, plenty to digest, wasn't there? Some big shocks. I think he's probably the best place to start, isn't it, boys? I mean, just looking at our full 10 yards pick and league, 11 and 5 was the best record on the week. And I've got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised when I saw somebody picked 11 winners this weekend. There were some absolute yeah, shockers yeah. in there. So, uh, Josh, let's start off with you, mate. Biggest shocker of the week. What are we going for? Oh, I, I don't think you can go too far away from the New Orleans Saints. I mean, I've been. You know, I've been flying the flag for the destruction of the New Orleans Friends office, and yet here we go. They uh, they go to Jacksonville, somehow send less fans to Jacksonville than Jacksonville do, and yet still come away with probably their best performance in years. And all against uh, Green Bay to the point where uh, Aaron Rodgers had his worst ever regular season start. I think it was in pretty much every single category. Uh, including passer rating, fantasy points, pretty much anything, you name it. So, um, yeah, quite insane. And also, Jameis Winston, five touchdowns, yet 150 yards passing. On what planet? <laughs> it's insane, but I loved it. Do you know what? The best part about that stat line is if that was Taysom Hill, we'd have been absolutely ripping him to pieces, wouldn't we, with 150 yards <laughs> passing and five touchdowns? Steve, what uh, what game took uh, took you by surprise? 
Yeah, I mean, it's weird just seeing the Green Bay Packers only put up three points, isn't it? And mm. I think I read that if Aaron Rodgers had spiked the ball into the ground on every single snap that he was in the game for, he would have got a higher passer rating than he did. <laughs> <laughs> so that shows how uncharacteristic that was of him. It's so weird to see. Um, I'm I'm going to flip it over and 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 uh, for a team that none of us expected anything from the Houston Texans bringing out a win week one they're not yeah. going on 17 Tyrod Taylor obviously listened to our podcast a few weeks ago <laughs> and was obviously not happy with us saying that they're, they're going to go on 17 but Sean you're right you said if they can beat the Jaguars that's that's a win for them and 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 they'll avoid that on 17 and they did and and you know um Trevor Lawrence looked like most rookie quarterbacks do in their first NFL game, sort of a bit deer in the headlights. He had flashes, you know, there was there was points where he looked quite poised and, and made some really good throws, but there was also points where, you know, they, the defenders just watched his eyes and he was picked off three times, you know. So it, 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 he still put 21 points on the board and uh, he threw three touchdowns. So, you know, not, not all bad, but that, Texans team putting up 37 points. They were the fourth highest scoring team for the weekend. <laughs> and we all had them going 0 17 a couple of weeks ago. What is happening? Yeah, I think that part of that as well, um, Tyrod Taylor's not a terrible quarterback. I think that we've all forgotten that simply because he has not had the game time to go and do it. I mean, the Chargers had to puncture his lung just so that. J- that Herbert could get his start and the Browns had to, you know, feign some kind of injury in order to get Baker Mayfield out there. So, you know, he is, he is a competent quarterback. I think we're all shocked at the fact that the, the weapons or lack thereof that the Houston Texans have actually rallied around him and made the Jags look silly. I mean, the Jags look like they've not changed at all from the team they were last season. So, you know, it's, you know, it, it was a shock. Maybe it shouldn't have been as much of a shock as it was. Maybe we just put too much stock into the um, team. Yeah, could well have done. I think Josh is. Fr- I think Josh is freezing on the video. So that's, that's the trouble with these live podcasts. Josh has just gone a bit Dalek on us. I think he has come back though. So we'll, I do we'll apologise. Am I back? Yeah, you you are back, mate. We'll come. We'll come back to you very very shortly. I think another couple of games just to call out. Um, not so much of a shock in terms of the result. I had them on the pick em, Steve, your Eagles, but I think we were all surprised with a 32-6 to beatdown. I think you must have been uh, quite chuffed with that one. Do you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll try not to get on my podium too much about the Eagles because it is only week one and it is a, it is a bad Falcons team. And we'll come on to the, the uh, power rankings for the Falcons later in the show, but um, the Eagles were excellent. Like Nick Sirianni had a really good debut as a head coach, um, especially calling the plays. Um, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts looked poised at a seventy-seven percent pass uh, passing completion percentage, so that that's really impressive for someone that everyone had written off. So yeah, I think, and and I've I've read a lot of people saying like if the people that have been sleeping on the Eagles are forgetting how good their offense and defensive lines are when they are healthy and they are playing like they were. They are a force we reckon with, and they have a top five offense and defensive line. The rest of the roster, yes, is up for debate, but apart from those two groups, they are they are a team to be reckoned with. And obviously, it's Atlanta. You know, I think the most impressive stat is holding Atlanta to six points. 
They went mm. down the field and they scored two on their first two drives and put two field goals up, and that was it. For the rest of the game, they couldn't get anything going. And they and the Gannon, the defensive coordinator, made adjustments and pressured Ryan, and he just couldn't get the ball out. So, yeah, really impressed, really excited. My Ertz shirt is behind me, as everyone can see. I'm very much thoroughly still on the Zach Ertz train. And, uh, yeah, it'd be, be a bit much bigger test next week when, um, when the 49ers come to town, because I think that's a much bigger test of this Eagles team. Yeah, undoubtedly, mate. But like you say, certainly took care of business. Um, as you said, mate, and Liam, who uh, admirably substituted last week, Zach Ertz, he's still an eagle. I saw Zach Ertz making catches on Sunday, mate. So you must have been chuffed. He even got the jersey out tonight just to celebrate, mate, I can see in the background. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he was. He was. He played well. I mean, I, th- I think he's going to stay on the roster for the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, no, it was a good to see an all-round performance. Good to see Devonta Smith get a touchdown as well. You know, yeah. he looked good. His route running was excellent. Um, yeah, it was just a really, really exciting performance and a lot to look forward to. I just hope we don't get trounced by the 49ers yeah. to bring us back <laughs> down to earth next weekend. <laughs> Yeah, week, week, week two is normally when we actually really start to find out if some of this was a bit flash in the pan. couple of other results just to pick out. I think the Cardinals putting up 38 against the Titans, That's limiting Derrick Henry to only, what was it, 58 yards, I think, on 17 carries. Blueprints there, though, isn't it? If you can slow Derrick Henry down, they may well have upgraded that passing game, but it still seems as though if you keep Derrick Henry quiet, the Titans are going to be in trouble. So that was a bit of a shocker. Pittsburgh getting a win in Buffalo. Probably shouldn't be too surprised. You know, Pittsburgh always well coached, always got a good defense. I I, I think I am probably the, the person that is the least on the Buffalo Bills out of everybody. I'm, I'm really not convinced that the Buffalo Bills are going to have a, such a good season as they did last year. I'm, I'm really not convinced at all. I'm going to say it's a surprise, though. I mean, I, I'm more surprised about the fact that Pittsburgh actually turned that into a win. They shouldn't have been anywhere near that result. They played terribly. You know, Buffalo. You know, Buffalo scored a loss from the jaws of of a win there, because at no point did did they look in danger until probably the final quarter when um, when that punt got blocked. Before yeah. then, it all seemed relatively serene. So I do think that there's there needs to be a little bit of a calling of the Jets there. I do think it is just a bit of, you know, shaking off the rust maybe. Um, but no, fair play to Pittsburgh. They got the dub there. Wish they didn't. But, uh, you know, we, we move. We do indeed. And uh, like I said, Monday Night Football delivered also, didn't it? And that was probably got down as a bit of a shocker for some people. But I think I did say on this podcast last week, I'm sure the Raiders will fancy their chances opening night at the uh, new stadium. And uh, I didn't stay up for the whole game, but I I had one of those Monday nights where I woke up, looked at the clock. It was like four o'clock. I thought, right, let's just have a look what the score is. It was 24-17 at that point. And as the NFL does, it just drags you in, doesn't it? You know, it was no longer a quick look at the score. It was... I might as well watch the end of this game. And if you haven't seen the game yet, I'll try not to spoil it. But trust me, just watch the last 10 minutes. Just watch the last 10 minutes if you watch nothing else, because it was so worth it. Um, And I think probably Alex Leatherwood, the most relieved man in Las Vegas this morning. Just a bit. What an an absolute buffoon. So, yeah, look, so watch the last 10 minutes if you haven't caught up with Monday Night Football yet. Uh, We won't spoil it for you. Obviously, you'll know the score probably by now. But uh, like I say, definitely watch it if you haven't watched the last 10 minutes. I would say as well, we can't go uh, the the pub without mentioning your two's your two's Browns. You know that game was another nail biter, another 
heartbreaking loss to Kansas City again in a repeat of of that game earlier from from last year. You know, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Could you have won it again? Should you have won it again? Well, absolutely. I think that realistically, it came down to individual errors. You can't make an arrowhead. You absolutely cannot. You you can't put put down a fumble when you're only one score up. You can't fumble a punt when you're, you know, when you're that close as well. Basically, Cleveland had it in their hands the entire game. They had the win in front of them the entire game, and they threw it away. I don't put anything on Baker for that for that final move. You know, it was just a great play by Dan Sorensen. Uh, as, as much as that pains me to say it because of <laughs> other things of which he's done both before and during that game as well. Um, but it was a great play by him. It's obviously just spooked the very final part of a throwaway and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But if we don't get that as the AFC title game, we have been robbed. Not we as in the Browns, we as in the entire NFL community. Kansas versus Cleveland, the third iteration in a year, needs to happen, I think. Yeah, and you know what they say, mate, third time's the charm. So I'll Absolutely. take that last week one if it turns into a, a, a championship come January or February. I can't remember when they're even playing them these days with the season being extended. But um, we've talked about a number of games there, fellas. I think we, let's move to power rankings then because, Josh, you're taking the unenviable task, I would say, the unenviable task of upsetting all 32 franchises by ranking these teams from 1 to 32. And obviously after week one of the season... Very, very difficult. We're obviously basing a lot of your thought process, I would guess, on pre-season expectations, what teams have done recently. Um, so there will be teams that have got wins this week that are probably disappointed that, to find themselves so low down. But um, just for the benefit of those that haven't had the chance to actually have a quick look at them yet, do you want to sort of give give us your, your sort of top five, your bottom five maybe, and uh, you know your big movers and shakers? And then me and Steve will tell you exactly where you've got it all wrong. Yeah, sounds good. So, um, top five, Tampa and Kansas, one and two. You can pretty much interchange them. So, essentially, the Super, Super Bowl supersedes. Uh, then I've put the Browns in at number three. They've moved up a couple of spots just because they should have beaten the Chiefs. You know, if you're telling me that the Browns should have beaten the Chiefs and they are locked in at two, the top two's gap to the rest of the league now is so damn narrow and the Browns should be right up there. After that, Rams and Seahawks practically neck and neck themselves. I think they both had excellent starts to the season. Some people will say that, you know, there were expected wins for the pair of them, but they just did it with such a plumb. They did it without any sort of pressure, just took it in their stride. Um, bottom five. Um, so Carolina Panthers get that 28th spot. Um, they've uh, stayed there really, but uh, the fact that they didn't lose to the Jets means that uh, they don't move at all. Then the Jets, because I think they're better than the uh, other three that I've got down here. The Texans moved up from 32nd to 30th, and surely this is their ceiling. Surely. right? I do not want to be putting them higher next week, for example, when they're playing the Browns. But uh, no, they're currently at 30, and that was as high as I thought they would ever go, and that was in you know the wildest dreams. Um, Detroit Lions at 31. A lot will be said about the fact that they played really well against San Francisco, um, you know, in terms of the amount of points they put on, but it was all garbage time, really. San Francisco were done and dusted. 
Uh, and then the Jags in 32nd and likely to stay there for the entire duration because it's going to be so difficult to move them off the bottom when they've lost to the team that we all thought were going go in 17 this year. Um, movers and shakers. Uh, this is where I have to really squint at my graphic now. Uh, so obviously the Browns, Rams and Seahawks have all moved up two to three spots themselves. Uh, the Bills have gone down three spots just because of the fact that they have started out really poorly. The Packers are down from fourth to eighth. Dallas. Dallas are now tenth. Um, I had them in 15th at the start, but I did say that if uh, if Dak rolls, then there's no reason as to why that can't be the case, that they uh, end up around about the tenth spot, which, when you think about it, is just the fact that they're likely to be in the playoffs. Um, Titans and Colts both down too. You know, it could have been a lot worse by trying not to panic on week one performance. Saints up three to 16. Steelers actually down a place. I just don't take that win against Buffalo too seriously. I think that realistically, that was all about the Bills being bad and not about the Steelers being good. Did you know Ben Roethlisberger had a QBR, a QBR of 28 on ESPN? The, the average is 50. You know, that's supposed to be the baseline average, 28, and they mostly threw. You know, the, it was terrible on offense, but yet they still somehow got the win. Um, I think the only other team that's going to be really annoyed is Arizona. I've got them in 18th. Uh, they've not moved, but I know that there will be plenty of people that will be annoyed. Um, and the only other mover and shaker, really, Bengals have gone up by six spots. Main, mainly because I promised that if the camp talk was just that, then I'd move them up, and I did. <laughs> and the Vikings are now down four, because if you lose to the Bengals, then I'm going to move you down a lot of places. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Please do with that what you will. Like I said, mate, it is an unenviable task. When it you really told is. me that when you told me this off-season you were going to write it, I did think to myself, well, Phil, you, my friend, but... Uh, it's given us plenty to chew on, plenty to talk about. Um, I think a couple of teams that certainly have caused a little bit of commotion. I think the Cardinals is one that you've said there. Steelers obviously gain a win, yet moving down on your power rankings won't sit well, dare I say. that uh, You might be accused of a little bit of Browns bias there, moving the Browns up for a loss. Steelers down for a win. The Broncos as well, another team that people think should be getting a bit more love, but you're not convinced about that one either. Steve, you've got a bit of a grin on your face. What do you reckon, mate? You mentioned Brown's bias. I'm sorry. In power rankings, you can't lose a game and move up two spots. You just can't. Of course you can. You, you can't. I'm sorry, you but can. you don't. Ridiculous. You don't win. You don't win Super Bowls on nearly beating teams, do you? Like, unfortunately, you lost to the to the Chiefs. Like, um, I know you played well, and you you know you you it was a good game, but you didn't win the game, especially when the Rams, the Seahawks, you know, the teams below them. Uh, put in performances like they did and came away with the W, you know, I'm not saying they need to be 19th or something, but you, I, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't do that. And also the Cardinals, when they had the two performers that they did, that are probably going to take, you know, some, some awards this week and then they stay still. But this is it. This is the, the teams above them beating them. And I don't think that they're going to get into the playoffs either. You know, it's, it's, is it not done team. week to week though? Is it not done based on their performances week to week? Like, yeah, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not participation medals. You know, I'm not, I'm not just hand. <laughs> well, you gave, not, you, gave Cleve, you gave Cleveland a participation medal by it's moving not, up two spots for almost beating Kansas City. Look, it's it's not a league table. This is this is how I see. This is how 
pretty much how I think the playoffs are going to shake down. You know, a Super Bowl of Tampa, Kansas, with uh, Browns and Rams being the losers in the conference championships, and then go down from that. It's probably the best way I can describe how I go about my power rankings. And in fact, if you look at my article and the way in which I will do it each week, it's ba- I've put them into divisions where you've got, you know, top of the tree, which is literally just two. So have that as your Super Bowl contenders. Then you got your bubble, of which is those of which are just around the title game. And then you got those, you know, playoff calibre, those you can expect to be in the wild card. Then you got those in the hunt. Then you got those that I don't care about. So the Broncos, <laughs> for example, will probably be there until they prove me wrong. And if they do, fair enough. But I don't see them even being in the hunt. And then you got those that are staring at the draft. I, th- I think another quick one I'd say as well is that for having watched the game, the Falcons, I know there's probably not many teams that you can put with them lower than, but they were dreadful. Like, yeah. oh, God, well, they were bad. They are yeah, in for a long season at Atlanta. Yeah, same yeah. as the Giants. I think personally, because there are so many good teams now and so many of the middle ones are, you know, they, they could beat anybody in the middle, really. You know, if you just imagine a gigantic chasm between 25 and the rest, you know, if you just Mm. imagine a fault line running through 25 to 26, that's pretty much how you have to look at it. I do agree, mate. It's going to cause plenty of commotion throughout the season. Give Josh plenty of heat on Twitter, on Facebook, all things full 10 yards. Josh will more than happily argue the toss with you. Absolutely. It's all a bit of fun, isn't it? It's all a game of opinions, all a game of opinions. And uh, like we say, we'll see how it shakes down after week two. We've got some you know, some proper information at their hands now, haven't we? We'll see uh, who are the real movers and shakers as we start to get into the uh, the season properly. Let's talk then, boys, about some game ball. Sean did a brilliant article. If you haven't checked it out yet, go and check out the website, full10yards.com. Sean will be giving out game balls each week, um, offensively, defensively, coach and play of the week. Uh, I've got to say, fellas, I thought his selections this week were excellent. Can't say I disagree with him, Percy, but as it's the podcast, it'd be a bit boring if I just read out Sean's article. So let's have a debate about some other worthy contenders as well. Steve, let's start with you, mate. Your offensive player of the week. So I'm assuming for his offensive player of the week, we went with um, Kyler Murray. Yes, yes, of course. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that's that's a standout performance from someone that we all had that conversation about, is he the real deal? So, you know, a hell of a performance from uh, from Kyler. But I think, you know, um, you could certainly point to, to Derek Carr's performance in Monday Night Football. You know, he threw for 435 yards. That's a, that's a hell of a performance. And that, that final play for them to win the game was, was an excellent play, you know, really well scripted. So, you know, I, I think um, Derek Carr's an honourable mention. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill was was uh, obviously a, a standout performer in, in the in the game against the Browns, and you know, uh, 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 Pat Mahomes is getting a bit of a reputation for uh, what what is it? This and now the meme that's now appeared is a uh, oh screw <laughs> it, ty- screw it, Tyreek will be down there somewhere, and he just launches the ball downfield. <laughs> yeah, he, he so, actually yeah. said he actually said in a tweet afterwards or something like that. Yeah, sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's even sort of half admitting that, if if yeah. for anything, maybe jokingly, but uh, it, it really felt like that on Sunday. Yeah, and I think also I'd, I'd give an honourable mention as well to uh, to uh, Joe Mixon 
Cincinnati. 127 rushing yards, had a, had a really good game. I, th- I know some Cincinnati fans are still not sort of convinced by him, um, but I think he had a really good game in a, in, a, in a good win against that Vikings team that looked all out of sorts. You know, I'm, I'm not convinced in Minnesota this season if that's how they're going to play every week. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a couple of honourable mentions from, from me. Sounds good. Josh? Yeah, I'm just taking a look at because I um I did put up a poll for each of these and Jameis Winston ended up with about a quarter of the vote and it doesn't surprise <laughs> me because well well it doesn't if you put up five TDs against the Packers you know the Packers are no mugs so and and this is a guy that has come back from all sorts of ridicule you know by the NFL cognoscenti at large and uh, you know myself included and you know the guy went out there and he put up put up massive points you know um you know not just him Dak Prescott as well I think needs a, a mention no one gave him a prayer against the uh, Tampa defense especially with the offensive line problems that uh, they've had coming into the game and uh, went toe to toe with Tampa's defense and almost came out victorious should have come out victorious really uh so you know give some put some love on Prescott's name um, yeah, so th- those would be my main other two to look at, I think. Yeah, I think that's uh, a couple of good shouts. I'd also throw in one that hasn't been mentioned and I haven't seen him mentioned anywhere, but a uh, bit of a bounce back game for him after a disappointing season last year. I'm talking about Debo Samuel for the 49ers, mm. nine receptions for 189 yards. Did, however, nearly throw it away with the fumble in the uh, fourth quarter as the Lions threatened to make quite possibly one of the greatest comebacks ever. Um, but didn't quite materialise. But I thought Debo Samuel had himself a nice day. I'm just going to go back to the Derek Carr shout. Completely yeah, agree I, with the I, shout. He's he's his record of actually sort of game winning or you know game tying fourth quarter drives and overtime drives is pretty phenomenal. But I'm going to pose a bit of a hypothetical question here, Josh. I know you watched it, so I'll ask it to you because I'm not sure whether Steve's caught it or not yet. How lackadaisical were the Raiders, uh, the Raiders running out the field goal unit? Oh, and they were, it looked like it looked like they were going terrible. to basically kick a field goal on second down, but they were that lackadaisical. It ended up with a delay of game, which then obviously meant that the play call changed to the downfield touchdown bomb. Do you actually reckon it was almost deliberate to suck the Ravens into thinking they are just going to run it back up the gut? Because everybody on that Ravens defense bit on the run, and you know Zay Jones was he was oh Christ. He was miles open. Put it this way. If it was meant as some sort of bluff, then it is the best bit of acting that we've ever seen on an NFL field. <laughs> because I can tell you the look on that on that kicker's face was one of, my God, you give me no flipping chance here. He was not in on the joke if that, if that was coming on. <laughs> I am going to just skirt back to Steve's point of Derek Carr, though, and say that the first half, he was terrible. He 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 was throwing almost exclusively to Ravens players. It like his second half comeback was you know quite sublime. When when you consider the fact that he could have been picked off about four or five times in that first half, it it was it was unbearable to watch. Um, but after that, you know, like you say, he did uh, he he did what he had to do. But no one wanted to win that game. Realistically, no one wanted to win it, and then we thought, actually, no, no, I'm not going to steal it. Don't spoil it. Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that's not watched the uh, the game yet. But you really should because that ending, uh, no one wanted to win. That's all we can say. 
you can see why I ended up staying up at four o'clock in the morning to watch that oh, end. And if, yes. you've, if you've seen the end of that game, I'm, I'm assuming, fellas, we're not going to pick any defensive players out from the Raiders and Ravens contest for a defensive shout-outs of the week. I think it's a fairly conclusive I'm, I'm winner. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a fairly there conclusive. Do, do, we just, do we just want to wax lyrical about Chandler Jones for two minutes, then, boys? I because. Think we what an absolute beast of a performance. Five sacks. I mean, you know, he's been doing it season in, season out. And he's still, for my money, one of the more, I wouldn't say he's necessarily underrated, but he's certainly under-talked about. You know, he's never in the same conversation as the likes of, you know, TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Aaron Donald, you know, all of these guys. You know, you never really hear the name Chandler Jones mentioned in that same sort of company. But statistically, he just... He just does it week in and week out, doesn't he? I mean, it was a phenomenal performance. Um, I thought also I thought Steve that the the Philly defensive line was pretty good as well. Um, was it is it Hargrave who come through with a couple of big sacks um, yeah. towards the Jeff end of the game? Hargrave, I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. Obviously, the game was was pretty much done and dusted by them, but certainly just really put um, you know the the stamp on it and the the dominance that they displayed. But um, any any other shout outs other than Chandler Jones, or is that unanimous? I'd I'd also give a shout out to Pittsburgh's front line. Um, I think that they just caused all sorts of havoc for Buffalo all game. Um, it's pretty much the only reason why Pittsburgh had a chance of winning because they they did cause chaos. It was actually quite quite fun to. I do enjoy watching defensive side of the ball and you know Pittsburgh were fun to watch from that aspect um you know as much as I don't like to see them doing well it was still just such a sublime performance so not not one particular player but as a unit I'd probably say that if we were giving it to units they would probably get it yeah, I mean, obviously, we can be waxed lyrical about Chandler Jones, and one thing is definitely for sure is if he keeps that up, he is going to get paid. Oh, yes. he he's in a contract year, so he if if he keeps that up, he will quite quickly become the highest paid defensive player in the league easily. Um, I, I just had a quick look at the stats. There, there were seven players that got two sacks this week. Um, but no one else got more than that apart from Chandler Jones, and he got more than double. You know, some players, some defensive ends don't even get five sacks in a season, and he got it in one game, and he's got 16 more to go. Oof. Yeah, and uh, and don't forget, it's a 17-game season, so he's actually on pace for 85 sacks this year. If he gets 85 <laughs> sacks, I dread to think what he'll get paid. But, do, you um, know what the, do you know what the highest is in a single season? Is it 20? Two, twenty-two and a half, is it something like that? I'm I don't sure. Jo- know. It, it I think Josh is going to look. That. I think Josh is looking it up as we speak. So it's I'm, twenty-two I'm, and a half. Yeah, twenty-two and a half. And he's already yeah. a, a, almost a quarter of the way there in one game. There's every chance there is, every chance. Right, coach of the weekend. Um, Sean went with Sean Payton. I think again, that's a fair shout. I think there was a lot of things conspiring against the Saints. Uh, you know, new quarterback not playing in the home stadium. You know, against a an opponent assumed he's going to be one of the powerhouses in the NFC. So I think that was a fair shout. But uh, Steve, I'm sure Nick Sirianni is going to make your list. But anybody else? Yeah, I'd, I'd honorary mention for Nick Sirianni's first time in the NFL, calling plays. He looked 
he looked poised. He looks like he, you know, some of the schemes that he was running looked like he'd been a coach in the NFL for years and years as a head coach. So yeah, he certainly gets an honorable mention, especially keeping. I know he doesn't do the defensive side of things, but you know, keeping that Falcons team to six points is is incredibly impressive. I'd also give some shouts to to a couple of others around the league. Um, Sean McVay. You know, Matt Stafford came in, looked effortlessly good in that offense, and he's brought back that deep ball threat that had been lacking in the last couple of years with Jared Goff. So I'd definitely say, um, you know, that they look dangerous again. And some of the touchdowns, the, the one he threw to uh, the aptly named Bobby Trees was was a wonderful play. Um, so, yeah, I'd say uh, Sean McVeigh. And I'd also give um, a shout. I know that you're not too favorable on them, Josh, but I'd give a shout to uh, Mike Tomlin. Um, um, yeah, he was know, on my list. Yeah, he's, you know, it, uh, say what you will about the Steelers' performance, but they still beat a, a Super Bowl favourite yeah. in the Bills. Um, and, they and you know, the, they come away with the win and he continues to to be one of the best coaches in the league and gets the most out of the players that he's got. And the Steelers are in such a cap all this season that we all know what's happened with their roster, um, you know. And, yeah, so, my, yeah, Mike Tomlin would be, a, would be one on my shortlist for this week. Yeah, Josh, you had Mike Tomlin on your shortlist anymore on yours? Yeah, so so Mike Tomlin simply because to be able to come away with the dub when you're playing badly, you know, on offense because offense wins games. So you know, for him to be able to keep keep the ship going in order to get that dub was massive. I'd also give a cheeky shout out to Zach Taylor. Um, you know, Cincinnati just kept in that game throughout, and there was some great little, um, you know, there was some great moves to keep drives going. None more than one of which we're going to talk about in a little bit. The uh, the fourth downer that uh, basically um, put the uh, put the icing on the cake for them. So uh, you know that was a gutsy call as well for a guy who is under a lot of pressure. We spoke a few weeks back about how Zach Taylor is um, one on the hot seat, uh, and then also David Cully of uh, the Houston Texans as well, because I, I imagine that he probably just looked out at his team and just went, "Go and have fun." <laughs> you know, go and have fun. Give the fans something to shout about. And uh, I mean, you know, you couldn't actually have asked for a better game as a Texans fan. So, you know, I think that he does need props as to whether or not it was just the fact that the Jags were just absolutely terrible or whether there is some coaching behind it. I think that you do need to give credit to be able to get a bad team to do that well in the game. Yeah, no, I think that's fair, mate. I think that's fair. We've mentioned a few rookie coaches. Final one that I'm going to give a shout-out to, Brandon Staley of the Chargers, um, going and dominating the Washington football team. Um, you know, a lot of talk about that that football team and that defence. Absolutely put them to bed, didn't they? Uh, 14 of 19 on third down, the Chargers. 14 of 19, that's incredible stuff. Um, and then limited Washington to 3 of 10. So, Chargers getting it done on both sides of the ball on third down, um, outgaining them 424 yards to 259 as well. Um, obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick getting injured in that one, but it certainly looks as though Justin Herbert in year two is going to be just as good as he was in year one. Final thing then, fellas, to wrap up in terms of from the game ball side of things, play of the week. So, Josh, you've already mentioned the uh, the one that Sean picked out in the article. Um, that is, of course, the, shall we call it the overtime clinching play? Um, you know, it was, what was it, fourth and it fourth and a yard? Inches. Fourth yeah, and four, inches, yeah, officially. And, inches, and they end up dialing up a long pass play to CJ Uzuma. And it was, uh, it felt very... 
very Kansas versus Cleveland in the divisional round esque, where everyone's expecting the run, everyone's putting everything into that, and then all of a sudden, just a perfectly thrown ball to a guy wide open, and you know, roll credits essentially. It was it, it was lovely, and I don't have I don't have anything that beats it. Um, maybe any play that Kyler Murray made while running seventy yards to his right. Um, but you know, apart from that, you know, it just seemed to be a really, really good play. I mean, there are some on Monday Night Football as well that you could probably throw in from the last five minutes, but we're not spoiling anything for people. <laughs> Steve, any particular play catch your own? Yeah, there was a few, wasn't there? There was. <clears throat> I mean, there's always a, a lot of incredible catches in any week of the NFL, but the DeAndre Hopkins one, when Kyler Murray rolled out to his white right and he catches it and just tip toe taps in the end zone was insane. Mm. Uh, Tyler Lockett's catch from Russell Wilson, where yes. he watches it over one shoulder and then turns his head and watches it over his other shoulder and then goes down to catch it. That was an incredible play. Um, I mean, any of any of Chandler Jones' sacks, the, the strip sack, um, that he had was was incredible. Um, I mean, I, I think uh, you've got to also uh, mention the um, in a non-offensive capacity, the Eagles play where he, um, I think it was Javon Hargrave, absolutely destroyed a man. Um, I think it was a running back, and he and he planted his head in his in his stomach and absolutely destroyed the man. So that was lovely to see. But yeah, there's been some there's been some wonderful players already, um, and and some of the catches as well. I, I think there's nothing better in the NFL than a really really impressive catch, especially when there's like a toe tap involved. And that 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 DeAndre Hopkins one for me. We all know how good a receiver he is, but every time you see it, it's just oh yeah. So that would be mine, I think. Yeah, incredible body control. I'm going to give um, a bit of a shout-out to um, a Denver Bronco. I'm going to give a shout-out to Albert O. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname. We'll call him Albert O. But um, not exactly what they drawed up, let's put it that way. Teddy Bridgewater backpedalling and dancing around, avoiding a little bit of pressure. Um, I think he actually said in his post-match interview that he wasn't even supposed to be running a route, but just leaked out into the backfield. And, uh, yeah, from, what, eight, nine yards out? Nice dive for the pylon right in at the corner. So I thought that was a, a pretty nice uh, touchdown as well. Oh, no, yeah. But, but he, hey, he made the most of it when he did run one, though, my friend. He made the most of it when he did run one. Like you say, plenty of good plays. It's not always about the spectacular catch, you know. It's not always about the, the, the gorgeous play. Sometimes it's these broken plays that actually end up winning games, isn't it? Let's be honest. True. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's just the spectacular catches just look amazing. And they're the ones you always remember. They're always ones that mm. stick in the mind. But, yeah, no, was, uh, sometimes when a, a defensive player makes a player that just blows up a player, it can be equally as impressive. Yeah, no, it certainly can, mate. It certainly can. It's great, fellas, to have a bit of football back, isn't it? Lovely to actually talk about some proper games. No more hypotheticals. We've got another 16 weeks of this as well, boys. Oh, That's the best part about it. It's 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 almost like the season hasn't even started yet. We're, we're only used to a sixteen game slate, so In maybe fact, week one. Still got another seventeen weeks, and that's before well, the playoffs. That's got true. Twenty-two yeah. more weeks of this, chaps. Oh, yeah. oh. Bring it on, fellas. Bring it on. Pump it into Marvin's. <laughs> Indeed. If you didn't get it in your feed on Monday morning, um, please, please, please be aware that we will be bringing you some of the quickest reaction to all of the action on a Sunday with our good friend Kieran over across the pond. Kieran will be bringing you some instant 
um, reviews and analysis of the games on Sunday. He was at the Bengals this week, had a thoroughly good time. He's even found himself on uh, on Instagram, I think. He's That's in one right, of the players' yeah. Instagram stories. He was that close to the sideline. So, Kieran will be with you every Monday morning with some instant reaction. Me and the fellas will be here live on a Tuesday, so interact with us. Tell us how badly Josh has got his power rankings, and we'll break down all of the big plays and all of the big names from the course of the weekend. And we'll be back later in the week. We're not sure whether it's going to be Thursday or Friday yet. I think we're leaning towards Friday, but it might be Thursday, so keep your ears peeled. Um, but we will be re- previewing all of the action for the week ahead. Plenty of stuff going up on the website as well, not just from us, but also from the college lads, from Tim doing all the excellent work he's doing across Brickball. Um, we really are now into the full swing of things. Got all your coverage for all your American football needs, so keep it all things full 10 yards. Fellas, it's been a Absolute pleasure, as always. Looking forward to week two already. Don't forget to join the Pickens League if you haven't done so already. You're only as much as 11 games behind the leader already after the first week. That's how tough it was. So make sure you do join the Pickens League and uh, get involved with all things that we're doing here. Boys, we'll be back later in the week. Pleasure to have your company as always. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will see you all again very, very soon. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget to find us on all our social channels, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and YouTube. Head over to our website, full10yards.com, where you can find out more information about why we are hashtag for the game.